You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events to get free and periodic updates to this program and our other interesting programs. Be sure to enter your email address in the subscribe to WHTT box on the right side of our website, whtt.org. And now, ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about, uh, we actually get letters from people occasionally, and sometimes they really are kind of interesting, let's put it that way. And it's an example of what I just read in an article called Institutionalization of Religion. So we want to give the concept of Christian Zionism being a form of institutionalized religion. And there's an excellent article by Lawrence Davidson and appeared in Counterpunch, and we'll have a link to it, and it's entitled The Downside of Institutionalized Religion. I just want to give a couple quotations from it, and I think it's kind of interesting. Quote, ideologies are preset forms of thinking that shape people's worldviews and supposedly help to order and simplify reality. While this supposition is always flawed to one extent or another, ideologies can be very seductive. In part, this is because they free their adherents from the hard work of critical thinking. Thus, they are often held on to tenaciously." Unquote. And we've talked about this concept of critical thinking. We've lost that capacity here. We get content from our media, our government, with no context, and then interrupted by commercials for the good life, drink beer, or what have you. And Professor Lawrence goes on here, quote, because these ideologies distort reality, they are particularly unsuited for those aspiring to power as well as their devoted supporters. History is full of examples of politically powerful ideologies that understand this fact, fascism, communism, various military cults, unquote. Then he goes down here, another quote, quote, there is still one more ideology out there which, even now, wreaks havoc by either claiming for itself the trappings of secular power or attaching itself in some influential advisory way to the institutions of power. That ideology is religion in its various institutional manifestations. Then he gives examples in Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and the last one is in Judaism and it's worth noting a quote here, quote, since 1948 Judaism has succumbed to the same fate as other world religions in tangling themselves in politics. Despite all the rationalizations propaganda, and self-deception, it is clear that institutional Judaism is now firmly melded to the deeply discriminatory and particularly brutal political ideology of Zionism. I use the word melded because what we have here is something more than just an alliance of two separate entities. The Zionists have insisted since 1970, the year of the Balfour Declaration, was proclaimed that the fate of Judaism and Israeli national home are thoroughly intertwined. Their insistent 
manipulations have resulted in a self-fulfilling prophecy, unquote. And so uh, as that is a little bit of a background, I want Chuck to describe a letter that we received from, we're going to call Lady Miss Vicky. Hello, Mr. Carlson. I'd like to ask why you are not doing anything or supporting the conversion of Jews to Christ, given how much you are against Judaism and Zionism, as well as its Christian variety. It is as if Christians like yourself are trying to do everything they can make sure that as few Jews as possible will come to Christ and would rather prefer to see them all killed during the second coming. Why is that, Ms. Vicky? We actually wrote to her and asked her if she wanted to join in with us, but uh, we're dealing with this letter because it is so typical. This is sort of an answer to Miss Vicky. We would tell her that we try to recruit all kinds of people to what we believe by our example. And uh, we've had people tell us that, that our example is, was important and significant to them. As a result of that, we have, we think, kind of a large number of Jewish friends who see a lot wrong with Zionism and uh, think that we do pretty good work. In fact, we have a number of them who have joined in the past in with us in vigils that we do at churches. And they have a respect for us and we have a respect for them because they are trying to do the job that needs to be done in Judaism, and that is to lead by example. As far as do we recruit Jews into Christianity, do we proselyte Jews to Christianity? Well, we'd like to think we do in that way that I've described. And recently had one, I would guess, very secular Jewish guy who we've known for a long time, who wrote to us and told us that he had recently been baptized and that he wants to be empowered by Jesus' words in his mission. And his mission is very much like our mission, except he goes to different people. This is a sort of our response to Miss Vicky and her concern, of course, that she thinks we're not saving Jews fast enough to Christianity to prevent their annihilation. And I'm sure what she would be called the post-rapture Armageddon. So what we would like to do in this program is to spend the time kind of getting into what people like this, like Miss Dickey, think and why they think the way they do and, and how, of course, we can best change her. Another answer to her question, of course, is why don't we focus on converting Jews to Christianity is that there are at least 10 Christian Zionists in America for every Jew in America. In other words, the target is at least 10 times as large, and that's assuming that all Jews are Zionists, which we know they're not. So the massive public influence is coming more through Christian Zionists than the vote of, of Jewish Zionists are. So uh, with that, we'll take this under discussion. Joining us tonight are Craig Hansen, Richard Edmondson, Glenn Lesnick, and Travis Steele. Craig was under the influence for many years of Christian Zionism, so Craig, would you like to make... Well, and, and so are the rest of us, by the way, most of yes. us. Yeah, coming from a fundamentalist background myself, Tom, I'd like to go back to the article uh, that you mentioned at the beginning, and you said those ideologies are preset forms of thinking that shape people's worldviews and supposedly help them to order and simplify reality. And what struck me as you were reading that article is that this goes way back 
to the medieval times and before that when you had the laity and the clergy and the laity didn't know how to read they didn't know uh the scriptures they couldn't read in latin all those things and so it was the clergy who taught the people what god's will was what the word of god is and so you had this disparity between those who knew and those who didn't know and that seems to be carried over into our, our modern churches where you have the pastors giving the word of god from the pulpit and the people you know sitting in the pews are listening to this and taking it as as gospel but the problem we have now is with the internet and the exposure to all kinds of uh, differentiating views is that the other avenues of thought are much more accessible to us and uh, for me my wake-up call was moving into a neighborhood with a christian palestinian and that didn't fit my paradigm you know if palestinians or arabs they're out there to kill the jews and uh, they're the terrible people well lo and behold i find christian palestinians and their narrative doesn't match mine and so something had to change it was either my narrative had to change or i had to go on believing a lie but getting to know them it really challenged me so what is going on here how can i as a follower of jesus the prince of peace be supporting this country israel who is doing dastardly deeds to my brothers and sisters in christ that was my wake up call and as i find when we do our vigils and what we experience a lot is just like with Vicky has come out after us a lot of ad hominem attacks you must be anti-semite you must be whatever they they throw all these labels at us because they don't want to talk about the issues the underlying assumption that these people hold is the same underlying assumptions that i held for years is that what the pastor said was right this is how you interpret the bible there is no other way to do it and this god said it i believe it and that's good enough for me and then when you start doing some research and you find out that oh forever doesn't mean forever as we as we know it uh in in our culture and one thing led to another and i did uh, research on christian zionism and here comes up uh, we hold these truths and i say like we said the rest is history one thing that uh, comes to mind is that classic line from a few good men when uh, jack nicholson says you can't handle the truth i think you have to be open to looking at the other way of, of looking at things is when it comes to christian zionism and see can you handle the truth are you so locked up that you can't even embrace it so for me it's opening my eyes to what's out there and hopefully we can carry that message to other people that are locked into the christian zionism message great thank you craig that was well put well craig. i would just say i think craig did put that rather well and the part about, especially the part about you can't handle the truth, a famous line from Jack Nicholson. One thing I would ask Miss Vicky is if she thinks John Hagee is doing a good job of converting Jews to Christianity, because I remember hearing uh, John Hagee say at one point, forget about trying to convert the Jews. They're just not going to convert. I mean, that's not a direct quote, but he, I mean, he did say words to that effect and I would also ask her who she thinks is going to be more likely to inspire Jews to convert to Christianity someone who prays for war and advocates war or, or someone who actually follows the teachings of Jesus and uh, sets an example by the sort of life they live and uh, praying for peace instead of war 
I guess that would be my main response to Miss Vicky. Glenn? I agree with what Richard just said. That's that's really uh, a big thing is look at the, the results of the warmongering and, and uh, look at Jesus' life, and they're just totally different in all ways. I mean, they're incomparable, and I think that's the biggest point we can make here to say that. As far as what Craig was saying is the deception, you know, that we come to believe, and, and uh, I think a lot of that deception comes from you know, the Schofield Bible and how it's been indoctrinated. The Jewish people are the Israelites today. That belief is stemming from the, the Schofield Bible. And uh, I think that's a big part of the deception that's gotten into the world. And, and got. I think it's planned uh, deception that has gotten us to believe this way. I was also Christian Zionist, uh, you know, believing Israel needs to be supported in every way until I started you know, studying background behind where all the money is coming from, where's all these wars coming, how much are they costing, and who's driving these things. And when you start looking into the where the money comes from, you start realizing something is wrong. And, and the same people driving these wars are the same people who created uh, Israel uh, in the current state as it is. Thank you. And I might add that one of the things in the book that we published under the title One Nation Under Israel it was originally titled Holocaust II, Saving Israel from Suicide. It was written by Andrew Hurley, a corporate lawyer. The first title actually is very apropos because we're working to prevent suicide. Israel is actually committing suicide by their acts. Their policies are literally on a suicide track. And so, of course, we get the canards that uh, we're anti-Semites and all this kind of thing. And those are easy to, to throw out to uh, put us on our guard, I guess. Well, uh, maybe I could ch- chime in there just a bit, because when we did our video, Christian Zionism, the tragedy and the turning, I think we got it right one time, this one time in the title, because Christian Zionism is a tragedy. It's a tragedy for Israel, but it's also a tragedy for Miss Vicky, because Christian Zionism plainly and bluntly, and this would be the last thing I will say to her when I write her a letter, personal letter, but if she listens to this broadcast, she'll hear it. Christian Zionism is not Christianity. There is virtually no Christianity taught in any of the presentations that are done, and Craig has heard a lot of them at John Hagee meetings where he's listened in, and I'm sure he, he would chorus that uh, you don't get a drop of Christianity in a Christian Zionist presentation. You get pure political Zionism wrapped up in platitudes. And so what's really happening to people like Miss Vicky is that she's being led from Christianity into some other form of belief. And that form of belief is gets further and further from Jesus as she shouts his name louder and louder and sings it more often and does more prayer songs and hymns. It is an anti-Christian tenant to create war that takes life. And this is where, of course, Christian Zionism invariably has led us. It's been a major factor in the whole generation of wars that we've had, now getting close to two generations of continuous wars. So what we tried to do in our film is we tried to show where the Schofield Bible was used to deceive people. And with the little platitudes that they learned to say, learned to recite, like the one Miss Vicky did, 
we have to save Jews because before Jesus kills them all in the second coming. Those are all taken right out of the footnotes of the Schofield Reference Bible line and verse. And uh, we can talk about that at, at length. This very notion that Jesus is coming back is uh, thought by a lot of people, and some people think he's already here, and some people think it doesn't matter because you see him when you die. But uh, one way or the other, for better or for worse. Uh, Jesus talked about this in uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew, where he talked about the sheep and the goats, a absolute parable to judgment, which he recited. And so, however we view this, her errant view is that Jesus is going to come back with a sword in his hand, and she probably has someone pluck the seventh chapter of uh, Revelations selectively and teach from that, and then that incorporates into it the idea of the tribulation, uh, which is this uh, terrible event, and the rapture, and these notions that are described in great length in the footnotes of the Schofield Reference Bible and have been copied in dozens, dozens of other reference Bibles, and, and, and they've been the grist for the writing mill of countless authors who've written all kinds of books that are sold in all kinds of Christian bookstores and the chapels and churches and, and handed out at Bible studies and are promulgated through organizations like Precept Ministries and Bible Study Fellowship, two big ones. So as Glenn pointed out very well, this didn't happen by accident. Someone found Mr. Schofield and saw that what he was doing could be useful to the Zionist movement. And they made sure that he had plenty of money and that his book got given away to lots of seminaries. And for 50 years, it was the major Bible used in the Baptist churches, endorsed by one of the leaders of the Southern Baptist Convention, one of the presidents. A couple of them, I guess. You'll find their names right in the front of the Schofield Reference Bible as people who've endorsed it. If I ever got enough of Miss Vicky's confidence so that she would listen fairly, I would uh, either try to get her to watch a film or, uh, or I'd sit down with her and show her in the Schofield Reference Bible where she's been misled into endorsing war. I remember reading something about as the times have changed and the political situation in the Middle East has progressed. I remember reading something about the notations in the Schofield Bible have been revised from the way Schofield supposedly originally wrote them. They're now being revised to adjust to the changing situation there. That's true, Richard, and someone else might want to elaborate on that, but uh, the book has been revised. It's, it's really revised more than just updated a little bit. It's had major revisions about three times since Cyrus I. Schofield died. That's what I heard. So yeah. the, the, the notations that are in the more recently published editions of the Bible are not what Schofield wrote. In the 1967 version, of course, the copyright held by Oxford Press, and of course Skyra Sofield died around 19... But in the 67 version, they actually introduced in Genesis 12.3 the concept of anti-Semitism that if you don't support Israel, then you're going to be judged by God, and that constitutes anti-Semitism. So, and that, that was that in the which edition? 1967 edition? Is that what you said? Yes. We cover that in the video, ladies and gentlemen. If you've not seen our video, 
Christian Zionism tragedy and turning, that is one of the examples that is used in Chuck's talk about the nature of Christian Zionism and the influence of the Schofield Reference Bible. Hey, Tom, I'd like to point out the Schofield article and audio also on, the, on your website, whtt.org, which uh, says C.I.E. Schofield Judeo-Christianity that really goes into depth on this situation we're talking about. It really opened my eyes. Those footnotes in the 1967 edition I'm looking at, in fine print, they fill one and a half, no, one and a quarter pages on pages 19 and 20. And in the original 1908 version, there was maybe an inch of footnotes on the same so verses. considerably expanded. Considerably expanded, yes. Yeah. I'm assuming that the woman who talked about Jesus is going to come and destroy the enemies of Israel. I'm assuming she's referring to the passage in the book of Revelation where it talks about Jesus coming with a rod of iron, which he plans to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And, and that is in the book of Revelation. There's all kinds of different ways you can ter- interpret that uh, passage in Revelation. There are a lot of passages that they would refer to. Christian Zionists are taught to be able to kind of parrot a lot of passages, and they're not bad. They're good at memorizing. Some of them are quite good at memorizing. And uh, Richard, I'd say uh, start with chapter 7 in Revelations and read that because it's a good beginning. And then as you read through the rest of it, you see the pattern where things are taken out of the other chapters as you go along. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't recall exactly where the rod of iron passage is. Uh, it's but. in Revelation uh, chapter 19. It's where okay, it talks so. about Jesus having a sword coming out of his mouth, and then the very next line says something about he will right. rule the nations with a rod of iron. But to me, what that passage is saying is that Jesus is going to rule the followers of Satan with a rod of iron. That's what the writer intended. And, of course, elsewhere, the book of Revelation even mentions synagogue of Satan. So I don't think it's, you know, applying to the enemies of Israel. But that's the Christian and Zionist interpretation. That's, the, you know, the interpretation I guess they always give to it. So. Well, thanks, everyone, for your comments. They were excellent. And, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget what Jesus taught us. Blessed are the peacemakers and love your neighbors as yourselves. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcast. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small, think big, and press on towards the straight gate.